there's a switch on top. I miss that. Man, that's so embarrassing. I don't know how I'll recover. So come and see is the name of the message this morning. Come and see. Now, right now, before we get into the text, we'll be in John chapter 1. I want you to picture in your mind. I want to take you to Israel, standing by the Jordan River. It's a warm day, and this strange guy has been proclaiming day after day, dressed in camel's hair, that one is coming, the Messiah, King of kings and Lord of lords, one who's sandal strap he's not worthy to tie i want you to picture him baptizing people maybe you're a bystander maybe you're one of john the Baptist's disciples maybe you're just there washing clothes the jordan was used for many purposes a main source of water but all of a sudden you hear, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. It goes quiet. You look and you see this man approaching John the Baptist. You see, maybe he begins to weep. The Bible doesn't say that. But the time has come. The one that Israel had been waiting for was now here. He's standing in front of John. You see them talking. You can't hear the words. But you see John the Baptist baptize this man. And you're wondering what's going on. And all of a sudden, heaven opens up. And you see the Spirit. The Holy Spirit descend on this man. You don't really know what's going on. And then you hear the words thunder. This is my son for whom I'm well pleased. Thunder from heaven. A magnificent time in history. You've never seen anything like it. Nothing more important than Christ's incarnation Life, death, burial, and resurrection has ever happened. But this is the beginning of a three-year ministry of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. This is what's taking place right before we get into this text. Now we're going to see Jesus calling his first disciples. Do you feel the Holy Spirit? drawing you this morning whether you're sitting here or watching on facebook do you hear your name being called if you do respond to jesus call of follow me simple words that he spoke to many of those that he asked to follow him follow me and they did never regretting so we'll be in John chapter 1, verses 35 through 51. And if you would stand with me as we read the Word of God. John chapter 1, verses 35 through 51. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. 
Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. And Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much for your truth, for your word, for seeing how you first called your very first disciples and just getting that wonderful picture in our head of you walking along and just looking at people and saying, follow me. And your authority is shown in your word as people followed you. And, and now here we are 2,000 years later in Madisonville, Kentucky, still proclaiming these truths found in Scripture. We love you so much, Lord. And we thank you for all that you've done for us, for providing the way to God through what you accomplished on the cross. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that today they will make the choice to follow you, that they will see you through your word being proclaimed and know who you are being drawn by your Holy Spirit. And Father, if there is anyone here who, who is already a believer, and maybe they've been sitting idle on the sidelines. Maybe they've been defeated by what's happening in the world. Lord, I pray that you give them strength and show them that, yes, it's going to be tough at times, but you have overcome the world. And Lord, I just pray encouragement upon them that they will faithfully serve you and follow you and come back to where they need to be in their life with you. And Lord, I just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may all be seated. So in verses 35 through 37, John the Baptist, who is now becoming less, cries out again, Behold the Lamb of God. So this is the second time he's, he's saying that phrase. And with him, there, there are two disciples of his. And they decide right then to follow Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God. Lamb meaning sacrifice. The Jews sacrificed lambs, blemishless lambs. So they knew this term. Behold the sacrifice of God is what John was saying. That's what they heard. That's what they knew. Not just a lamb, not just a sacrifice, but the lamb of God, the one that God had foretold all throughout the Old Testament that would be coming is now here. Behold, the sacrifice of God, a perfect example in, of a man in total obedience to God is who Jesus was, blemishless, not a speck of uncleanliness. None, never, ever sinned. Can you imagine that? I can't even imagine it, but he didn't. 
He was perfect, blemishless, provided to make an atonement for all who would believe. And if you're sitting here and you've never believed in Jesus before, let today be the day. Let today be the day that you recognize that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. Think about these scriptures as we continue this morning. We are sinners. That's plain in Scripture. Christ is perfect, so he can stand in our place of judgment and wrath so we can be made acceptable to God by his blood when we stand face to face with him someday. Someday, each and every person in this room and watching on social media will stand face to face with this perfect and holy God. So how do we get right with him? Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. No other road, no other way. Get that in your mind right now and let that sink in to the very pit of your soul because I'm telling you right now, you depend on him. There is nothing that you can do to work your way into heaven. You can't climb in from another way. You can't buy your way in and you can't do good enough to get in. We depend totally on this perfect lamb of God. Come and see this perfect lamb of God. See him this morning. There are no other ways to salvation. None. Not one. Verse 38. So these two disciples, they're following Jesus. And he sees them following. And he turns and he asks them, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? That's another question that just tugs on my heart. There's not much commentary on it. I mean, there may be some, but not in any that I read. But what it says to me, what are you seeking? The moment that you decided that you were going to follow Jesus, if you have, what was it that you're seeking? What were you wanting? What were you expecting to get? What is it? Was it health? Was it a better life? to mend a relationship maybe. Maybe you're just saying words to make somebody happy, a family member happy. Maybe you're just creating a, a good habit. Maybe you're sitting here today out of habit. Maybe you're watching out of habit. Just trying to do something good. That's not good enough. We need Christ and Christ alone. Or have you sitting here today realized in your mind or watching, realized in your mind that Jesus is more than a good man or a good teacher, as some people say in this world. A lot of people in the world will agree Jesus was great. They may not even believe in Jesus, but they believe that the idea of Jesus is wonderful. A perfect man who, who gave himself for the world? But then when you get into the, the meat of the Scripture and sins start being confronted directly by the cross, well, then it's not so good. Then Christianity becomes a nuisance because it's confronting sin that people enjoy because our flesh, our hearts, are wicked. So it steps on toes. So was he just a good man, a good teacher? So they, being Andrew and presumably John, the one that wrote the gospel, answered his question, what are you seeking, in kind of a weird way to me. I don't think they were just wanting to know where to stay. Where are you staying? They answered his question with. He says, what are you seeking? 
They say, well, where are you staying? Why did they say that? Maybe they didn't know what to say. I wouldn't have. I would have been in awe after seeing all the things that unfolded the day before and then that day. They just wanted to be around him, learn more about him. They knew they needed to follow him. They followed him. Jesus says, coming you will see. And I don't think Jesus just planned on showing them where he was staying. We know that uh, Andrew and John become apostles. They, they follow him to the end. They see, uh, they know that Jesus has, has been crucified. John was there the day of his crucifixion. But they saw more than that. They saw more than that. They learned more than that in these three years. They learned more than they could ever, ever comprehend. They saw the resurrected Lord Jesus, the one who was pierced for our transgressions as prophesied in Isaiah. Pierced for our transgressions, our sins, he went to the cross and they saw him dead. Well, then they saw him alive. So they learned a whole lot. Verse 40 reveals that Andrew was one of the two, and the unnamed is most likely John, the writer of the gospel. So what was the first thing Andrew did? This is the main part I want you to focus on. What did Andrew do? Verse 41, he found his brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah. We found the Messiah. I can imagine the look on Peter's face, a look of wonder, uh, maybe a confused look, maybe skeptical. But he takes him to Jesus. He takes Peter to Jesus. We have found a Messiah. Have you reacted in this way in your walk? When you accept Christ, the Bible tells us that we receive the Holy Spirit. And when we receive the Holy Spirit, we start to be molded and shaped immediately to be more like Christ. Now, it's, it's a long walk and it's a hard road and it's never easy. But as a believer, following Christ, you should learn more by reading God's word and grow more and soon, very soon. They didn't know a lot about Jesus, but they knew that he was the one, the Messiah. And they went and told people, have you told family and friends? How have you reacted? How many have friends and family here? And how many have friends and family that are watching who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Show of hands. I know people. I know people. Family, friends who know that there was a Jesus possibly on this earth. That doesn't cut it. We must share with them the good news. We have found the Messiah. We have found him. If you raise your hand and, and you want to be equipped, you can get with me and I'll show you some different techniques that you can use to, to lovingly share the gospel with your family and friends. Uh, after we're finished here today. If you raised your hand and are serious about wanting to be more involved in reaching people with the gospel, uh, March the 14th and the 15th, you can mark it in your calendar. There's going to be a REACH conference uh, in Elizabethtown. And if you want to be part of that to help you grow and, and, and give you materials that you will need to go out and actually uh, fulfill the great commission in your lives, you can go with us and we'll have a good time and learn more about how to share the gospel uh, confidently. Now, if you didn't raise your hand, 
Reflecting on your own relationship with Christ right now. If you didn't raise your hand, if you don't know anybody at all that doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, then it makes me wonder, as it should you, about yourself. Think about your relationship with Christ. Do you have one? Do you have a desire to, to go out and share the good news of the gospel with family and friends? Do you have a love and a joy even in all of these troubled times that we've been going through, all this sickness, this pandemic, watching loved ones pass away? Do you still have a joy and peace in your heart? Do you know that you know that if you were to die today and stood before him, he would say, come on in, good and faithful servant. If you are unsure of that, then please consider Jesus Christ. Please. And, and after this is over, you can come to me and we can talk, we can pray, I can show you scripture, we can sit down together. I'll sit with you for hours showing you who Christ is in his word. That means so much to me. Do you know Jesus? The shame is not knowing Christ right here in this moment. There's no shame in that. If you don't know him right now, there's no shame in that. The shame would be to step into eternity today or tomorrow not knowing him because of pride. Do you know the Messiah? He's being presented to us right here in Scripture. The Messiah, the beginning of the ministry. So the big moment happens with, with Simon. Jesus knows Simon already as he knows everybody. He knows the human heart. He knows each and every person. And he always did. John's gospel, John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus didn't begin in Bethlehem. He's always existed. He's always known. He's all-knowing, and he's everywhere at all times. So Jesus knows Simon as he knows you and your heart. You can't hide your heart from him. He knows you. So he says, Simon, son of John, or son of Jonah in some of the translations. Jonah is Aramaic for John. You shall be called Cephas, Aramaic, or Peter, as we know, Greek, which means rock. And Jesus would totally change Peter and use him in the foundation of the church where Jesus himself is the cornerstone. So all the work that the apostles did led up to today. They went out sharing the good news of Jesus. More and more people knew Jesus. Multiplication happened. And here we are right now, Massonville, talking about Jesus because of the work that they did. Now we get to the big come and see moment. Another example of a believer and a new believer at that, a very new believer going to tell his friend about Jesus. Somebody he cared about, somebody he loved, somebody he knew. It wasn't his brother, like with Andrew going to Peter. This was a friend. Probably be a, a real close friend, obviously, because it was the first person that came to his mind. Who comes to your mind this morning? Picturing your mind a person that you know who you so desperately want to know Jesus Christ. Do you see that person in your mind? Picture them. Don't you love them? You see, there's, there's two paths, and there's two types of people. There's the road to hell, and there's the road to heaven. And there's lost people, and there's saved people. And people who are saved by grace through faith in Christ will enter eternity into heaven. A perfect place made for those who believe in him. Now hell 
was made for Satan and the demons and all those who reject Jesus as Lord. If you believe in the Son, you have everlasting life, the Bible says. And if you don't, it says the wrath of God is on you. The Bible says that God's bow is bent toward those who do not believe. And his sword is sharpened. And the moment that you put your faith and trust in Christ, you get out of the crosshairs and into the family of a God who loves you and has prepared a place for you that is beyond our comprehension. We can't even imagine heaven. We can't do it. No pain, no sorrow, no death, no sin, no temptation. So why aren't we, as believers, going out and, and telling people more about Jesus, the Messiah who we found, who's changed our lives? Why are we neglecting our call out of fear? What is there to be afraid of? Jesus defeated this world. He defeated death. He defeated sin for all those who believe. So what are we afraid of? Why are we neglecting the call to go? So verse 43, Jesus tells Philip to follow me. Follow me. And in verse 45, Philip, the new follower of Christ, immediately goes to his friend and explains that the one prophesied of in the Old Testament in the law, Genesis through Deuteronomy, and also all of the prophets, all of the Old Testament... We found him, the one that the Old Testament is pointing to. That's what it's saying to us. There was no Old and New Testament then. But he's saying, we have found him. We have found him. They knew the book of Isaiah. They probably could recite it. I can't recite it. I can recite verses that I memorize. But they could recite it, I'd say. So what was the response? We found him, Philip says to Nathaniel. Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth, a small, small, small town. It would be like, we found him. Jesus of White Plains, where I come from. Small, teeny-weeny town. Or Jesus of Morton's Gap. Something like that is what it relates to. So how, what was going through his mind? Verse 46, he says it. He says what he's thinking. It flew right out of his mouth. I'm bad about that sometimes too. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good from, come from White Plains? I don't think so, because I'm from there. Can anything good Come from Nazareth. And Philip doesn't argue with him. He doesn't fight with him. He doesn't yell at him. He doesn't get mad and, and storm off. He just looks at him. He looks at his friend. He says, come and see. Changed by this perfect word is what believers are. And as believers, we, we have this perfect word where we can take people that we love and that we care about and sit down with them as a friend and show them who Jesus is to us. And we can explain what he's done in our lives. Surely you have a testimony. If you accepted Christ and nothing has changed in your life, please, Examine yourselves, please, because the Bible demands for us to change, be different, be made new, a new creation. So he just says, come and see. Come and see. So out of curiosity, Nathaniel goes. He's been looking forward to this moment too. It's odd that, that he came from Nazareth. But where, where did Jesus come into first? Bethlehem. 
the city of David, comes from the line of David. Well, he didn't know all that. So in verse 47, Jesus shows that he already knows Nathaniel too, doesn't he? He already knew his heart, already knew who he was. An Israelite indeed in whom there's no deceit. Today we have a lot of people, name tag Christians, who go out into the world and when they do, they look so much like the world at times that the world looks at them and, and says, well, they don't look any different. And it ruins our witness for Christ because we're not living holy lives like we should. Holy Spirit should cause holiness to be able to grow into our lives. If we have the Holy Spirit, we should be looking more and more like Christ. Well, Jesus looks at and Nathaniel and says, an Israelite indeed whom there is no deceit. Well, at that time, the Jewish people had also turned away from God. They'd do their things. They'd sacrifice their lambs. But they weren't sincere. Well, apparently, apparently Nathaniel was sincere in seeking God. And in verse 48, he asked the question to Jesus, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Perhaps the fig tree was Nathaniel's place, his special place, that he went and talked to God and poured his heart out, maybe praying for the Messiah to come to, to save them from the Roman Empire that had come in and taken over Israel. Maybe he went and, and, and prayed well, no telling what. Do you have a special place that you go to? I know I do. It makes me think of the woods. When I'm in the woods, when I'm sitting by a campfire, my feet propped up, my Bible in my hand, I feel closer to God than I do anywhere. And I have a place like that that's very special to me on my property. I have a fire pit made out of rocks, and I go there, and I pray to God. I have a place in my house that's, that's special like that too. So maybe that's what this was to Nathaniel. And nobody knew that he was there. Nobody saw him. This was his spot, perhaps. And in verse 49, he was amazed that Jesus knew of it. He was amazed that Jesus saw him under the fig tree. And he says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Recognizing he was the one that the Old Testament looked forward to, he realized. Now, verses 50, starting in verse 50. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Descending, ascending on the Son of Man reminds me of Jacob's ladder, the stairway to heaven. Heaven is opened up. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus has stepped into history right here. And the first disciples are starting to realize it. Now, I ask you, do you know Jesus? Do you know him? You can know him today. It's not too late. Your heart's still beating. He hasn't returned through the clouds like he said he would before he went do you know Christ you in this room and you watching well Jesus came he stepped into history he was born of a virgin that's what this season 
is all about. It should be more about that all the time. It shouldn't just be around Christmas that we recognize this and be joyful and happy of this wonderful time in history. Born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, 30 years, 33 years, never sinning ever. Went to the cross, died on that rugged cross for our sins, was placed in a tomb. And friends, let me tell you something. He did something that nobody has ever done or ever will be able to do. He defeated death and he walked out of that tomb alive and well. And that tomb is empty. There are no bones of Christ because Christ's bones are in his body and he's alive and well. And he will come back from heaven to receive those that believe in him. So I'm asking you to put your faith and trust in this Jesus, this Messiah, this King of kings, this Lord of lords today today.